I wonder how curious it is that most of the things that we experience we regard as things that happen to us, even events that go on in our bodies are put in the category of things that happen to us in the same way as things that go on in the world outside our skins. If there's a thunderstorm or an earthquake, well, it happens to you. You're not responsible for it. But so, in the same way, when you have hiccups, you didn't plan on it. If you have belly rumbles, you had no intention of doing it. And as for the catastrophic act of getting born, well, you had nothing to do with that. And you can spend all your life blaming your parents for putting you in the situation in which you find yourself. And this way of looking at the world in sort of a passive mode, as something that happens to you, goes right down to our general feeling about life. It goes down to the way in which, as humans, we have been accustomed to look at human existence as a precarious event in a cosmos that, on the whole, is depicted as being completely unsympathetic and alien to our existence. In other words, if you're read with a 20th century or, shall we say, an early 20th century common sense, which is based on the philosophy of science of the 19th century with its rejection of Christianity and Judaism, you regard yourself as an accident, a biological accident, in a stupid universe which is mechanical but has no feelings no finer feelings, a vast pointless gyration of radioactive rocks and gas in which you happen to occur. Of course, if you don't have that point of view, and you are more traditional, you look upon yourself as a child of God, and therefore under authority. In other words, there's a big boss on top of all this who allowed you, at his pleasure, to deign to have this disgusting effrontery to exist, and you better watch your P's and Q's, because that Almighty's looking after you with the attitude of, this is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you. And when you look at the world in this image, or in the other image, that it's a stupid mechanism, either point of view you take, you don't really belong. You're not really part of all this. And I could use a stronger word than part, only we don't have it in English. We have to say something like, connected with it, essential to it. Or to put it in the strongest possible way, it is quite alien to human thought to conceive that the external world, which is defined as something that happens to you, and your body itself is something that you got caught up with, it is quite alien to our thought to consider all that as you, yourself. Because you see, if you have such a myopic view of what oneself is, it's as if, in other words, we select how much experience is really to be regarded as me. As if you focused your attention on certain restricted areas of the whole paranoia of things that you experience and say, I will take sides with this much. Now we come here, at the start, to an extremely important principle, which is the different points of view you get when you change your level of magnification. That is to say, you can look at something with the microscope and see it in a certain way. You can look at it with the naked eye and see it in a certain way. You look at it with a telescope and you see it in another way. Now, which level of magnification is the correct one? Well, obviously, they're all correct. But they're just different points of views. You can, for example, look at a newspaper photograph under a magnifying glass and where, with the naked eye, you will see a human face. With the magnifying glass, you will just see a profusion of dots. 
rather meaninglessly scattered. But as you stand away from that collection of dots, which all seem to be separate and apart from each other, they suddenly arrange themselves into a pattern, and you see these individual dots add up to some kind of sense. Now you'll see at once, from this illustration, that maybe you, when you take a myopic view of yourself, as most of us do, but you may add up to some kind of sense that is not apparent to you in your ordinary consciousness. When we examine our bloodstreams under a microscope, we see there's one hell of a fight going on. All sorts of microorganisms are chewing up each other. And if we get overly fascinated with our view of our bloodstreams in that microscope, we should start taking sides, which would be fatal, because the health of our organism depends on the continuous of this battle. What is, in other words, conflict at one level of magnification is harmony at a higher level. Now could it possibly be, therefore, that we, with all our problems, conflicts, killing other animals for uh, eating, sicknesses, and everything that goes on in human life are a state of conflict, which can be seen in a larger perspective as a situation of harmony. Well, it is claimed, you see, that some human beings have broken through that vision, that they slipped, somehow or other, in states of consciousness where they see the apparent disintegration and disorganization of everyday life as the functioning of a totality which, at its level, is completely harmonious. And you can say, aha, at last I see, I got the point, I've seen how all this makes sense. But what this insight depended upon was your overcoming the illusion that space separates things. Rather, it connects them. And I'm going to discuss these matters not by appealing to any special, spooky knowledge, as if I had been traveling on a higher planes and know all my previous incarnations, and therefore could tell you authoritatively that you are much more than this individuality. I'm going to do it on a basis of complete common sense, that everybody has access to the facts. And that just what you have to realize is that life is a pattern of immense complexity. And what you call yourself as a living organism, say I am my whole body, at the very least. Now what is this body? This body is an accumulation of food and water that we consume every day. If we see a glass of water, well that's not you. But when you drink that water, it becomes you. You start experiencing that water as yourself. Same as trees consuming sunlight from the sun and we consuming what comes out of trees and plants. You see, we don't come in this world, we come out of it. In other words, when you see a flower in a field, it really is the whole field that is flowering because the flower couldn't exist in that particular place without the specific surroundings of the field that it has. You only find flowers and surroundings which will support them. In the same way, you only find human beings on a planet of this kind, with an atmosphere of this kind, with temperature of this kind, supplied by a convenient neighboring star. So just as a flower is a flowering of a field, you find yourself as a personing, a manning, a peopling of the whole universe. Every individual is an expression of the whole realm of nature, a unique action of the total universe. The individual and the universe are inseparable. The universe, you see, there's a union happening. 
just as you have microorganisms, bacteria, and enzymes in your body responsible for various activities, like digestion, you consider all that as yourself. You don't name each one of those that I'm going to call this, this, and this one, that. Well, essentially, they're a part of you, but they are you, you see? In the same way as we're a part of the universe, but we're really the universe. It's just another play of life, and you're playing your part in this game. Because life is pulsation, on and off. Here it is, and now it isn't. And by being this pulsation, we know it's there, see? You don't know what you mean by on unless you know what you mean by off. That's why when we want to awaken someone, we knock at the door. It's not enough to slam the door once with your fist and make a big noise. But you keep up a pulsation, because that, by its on and offness, attracts attention. All life, you see, is this flickering in and out. Only there are enormous rhythms in it. Uh, there are very fast flickering ins and outs as well. So, in this way, very fast impulses are looked upon as constant. And VC, where there are fast impulses, a solid thing. When you look at a blade or a propeller or an electric fan, the separated four three blades become a solid disc and you cannot throw an egg through it. Well, so, in exactly the same way, you cannot put your finger through a rock because the rock is moving too fast for your finger to go through. That's the meaning of the whole phenomenon of hardness. Hardness in nature is immense energy, but acting in a very concentrated space, restricted space, but going to beat hell, that's why you can't get through it. Now from these very tiny fast rhythms, which give us the impression of continuity, there are also, in this universe, immensely slow rhythms, and these are very difficult for us to keep track of, and they impress us and depress us as our own life and death, as our coming and going, which goes for what is to us such a slow pace that we cannot possibly believe that it's really a rhythm. We think of it as our birth as something quite unique that could never occur again because we're so close to it, you see, and it's moving so slowly. And so is the rotation of our planet around the sun. It's moving at a very high velocity, but you being in your own individual perspective, you don't feel anything because you are so close to it, you see. And so, in this way, there is to a person who really wakes up from the illusion of self, you very soon realize that your existence is not something that is just the hopeless little creature that's suddenly confronted with a great big external world that goes <sighs> at it, you know, and eats him up. Every tiniest little thing that comes into being, every minute little fruit fly or gant or bacterium, I will go so far as to say it is an event upon which this whole cosmos depends. Because this thing goes both ways. It's not only that every little organism which exists depends on its total environment. The reverse is also true. That the total environment depends on each and every one of those little organisms. So that you could say this universe consists of an arrangement of pattern in which every event is essential to the whole thing. Now, we screen that idea out of our consciousness in exactly the same way that we screen out the perception of space as an important reality. Just as we pay attention to the figure and ignore the background, so we see one way of looking at things, mainly. 
that the organism is very fragile against the environment. It lasts a long time. The environment. But the organism only lasts a short time. What do you mean? The environment lasts a long time. What does the environment consist of? Just a lot of little things. And yet, there is the environment, just as the same way as there is the face in the newspaper photograph behind all those little dots. When you get far enough away from it, you see the face. When you get far enough away from all the little organisms and the little bits of things, you see the environment in another scale of magnification. But actually, the whole thing is arranged in a polar system, where the enormous depends on the tiny, and the tiny depends on the enormous. And you get a relationship between these extremes, which can be called a transaction. That is to say, a transaction where there's buying and selling. It's impossible to have buying without selling, and selling without buying. So you always, wherever you're looking at the general paranormal of sensory experience, only, you can't admit it, just in the same way, as you can't admit that you're responsible for the way your own heart beats. You say, oh, that's not my doing. I have no control over my heart. Do you have any control over being conscious? Do you know how you will? When you say, I intend to take my hand down from my face and put it on my leg. I can do that, but I don't know how the hell it's done. So that what we mean by the capacity of voluntary control, in the ordinary sense of the world, we don't understand it at all. So we might say, in a funny backwards way, that the only kind of control you really understand is that where you're not using your will, because you just do it. So easy. Like you open and close your hand. You know how to do it. Sure, you know how to do it. But you can't really put it into words and explain to someone how to do it. You say, well, come on. Aren't you a human? Don't you know how to open and close your hand? Just do it, silly. But we don't realize, you see, that just as we know how to do this, we know equally well how to turn the sun into light, how to blue the sky, how to blow the wind, how to wave the ocean, how to digest food, and I might add, to be digested by bacteria. As we transform our steaks, we will, in turn, be transformed. But the pattern keeps going. And it's always you. Only. You see? You have this marvelous capacity to transform yourself without knowing that you're doing it. Therefore, you keep surprising yourself. And therefore, you keep doing it. Because if you didn't surprise yourself, you wouldn't go on doing it. It's just the very fact, you see, that you seem to be the victims of a thing you don't understand. And you seem to conclude your life every time in a wipeout called death where all your control goes, it's just exactly the opposite condition to what you call being alive, that allows you to be alive. Only, every time it happens, it's like it's new. It's like every time you're born, it seems like it was the only time. But of course, if it wasn't like that, you wouldn't do it.